Ao metika yepe miema oglala Lakota. I'm Shimani Tutanka or Wolf. And uh, today we have a great new guest and new co-host that's going to be a permanent fixture to the show. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce your name, so <laughs> please teach us. Yes, I'll, ju- I'll just do my little introduction here. Um, and what I said was, Hi, my relatives. I'm happy to be here. Uh, Hunts is my name. Um, I'm Haida, and thank you very much. Woot woot. So, it, Alaska native, represent. Uh, yeah. So, I th- where where are you like from originally? Uh, like you're in diaspora, right? Like you've never yes. been home. Yeah, I'm like uh, Haida people in general are reconnecting, but. Um, because like 97% of our population died from like smallpox and stuff. I feel that. Oh, yeah. Um, I was born in the Rockies in BC, otherwise known as Tanaha Territory. And I was was actually born in Alberta. I was born in Ute Territory in the Rockies in Colorado. That's funny. Oh, cool. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and uh, I, I I grew up in the Rockies, so I consider it my home, I guess. And um, I live in um, Tohono O'odham territory right now because I'm living with my wife, and uh, I've been down here for a couple of years. So with Haida, uh, culturally, like how similar is that to like Klingadani or like Inuit and stuff like that? Like, is there a different create like culture? Is there like different ways how they got there because like the cling as i understand it the clinglet canoed over were you um, guys right walkers how- or <laughs> uh, yes uh on the um uh haida have been on haida Gwai for at least like sixteen thousand years or something like that Holy, it's been a long ass time that is uh huh, and uh, more kind of in the in the grand scheme of things, more recently, um, some Haida migrated north onto sort of the Alaska shoreline, and um, those are called Kaigani Haida. Okay. And um, they have they have like slightly different uh, language, and I don't know that the culture is too different. There's still the same like uh, uh, moiety and uh, family structures, I believe, but um, uh, we're fairly similar from what I understand. Like, Clinket and uh, Haida are pretty interconnected. So... Okay. So, uh, I, I'm just wondering, like, so what's, like, sort of, like, core traditions? Um, well, we we have, uh, there's uh, the eagle moiety and the, and the raven moiety, and uh, then there's uh, further clans that are split up between those that are just kind of, like, their families, and, um, uh, it's tradition that you generally you marry opposite to your moiety. So, like, uh, I, I've heard people say that uh, marrying another raven as a raven is kind of comparable to incest. Oh, interesting. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay, it's the relative situation going on. We have, um, we have like, uh, crests that are passed down through the family and that are associated with, like, uh, sort of family history. And um, those are what, uh, that's what's represented on totem poles. Okay. Everyone thinks it's like they're like uh, guardians. 
They're, yeah. <laughs> it represents the deities. It is like, well, it represents my uncle Jim. But but, and uh, uh, there are also names that are passed down and uh, like stories, um, like uh, so. My my professor. Um, Maybe I won't say her name actually because this is a little doxy for me. But like, uh, she good idea. A, a Haida name that uh, she got from her mother, and so her mother has the same Haida name as her because it's their passed down. Mm-hmm. Well, it's sort of like uh, was Sitting Bull. He got the name of his dad. Right. Exactly. This, I, I think that's interesting. Like that, you know, you see that sort of cross culturally. That there's a lot of embracing of family, familiar names. Like even even if you look at white people, you know, the last name tradition, the surname or whatever. That's like, it seems to like have some significance across where people are like, yeah, I have reverence for my ancestors or whatever. Like, right, I, exactly. there was that white person on Twitter that was trying to like be like, uh. I don't know. It's something like uh, one. Somebody on Native Twitter said, uh, "Your ancestors look favorably upon you as you try to, you know, decolonize or whatever." And um, then they were like, "Yeah, my my English ancestors do too." And I was like, mm, "This ain't for you, bud. This ain't yeah, for exactly. you." <laughs> like, I get it, Smith. You know, your dad was a blacksmith, but. <laughs> How do you personally try to connect to your culture, just like in, especially in Tohoda Odahem territory? Like that's uh, quite a bit of ways from home, or your homelands at least. <laughs> um, there's a lot of Haida on Facebook, so I'm in like a lot of groups and stuff. Okay. Um, try to keep up through there. There's a lot of like news outlets on Haida Gwaii that I try to keep up with, and. Um, Obviously, the language is a big part of it. I'm learning uh, Hotkill, which is the northern dialect. And um, uh, that's been a really big part of feeling like I, I'm still in touch, is being able to talk to other um, Haida people through that class and learn the language and also learn a bit about the culture through there, too. So that's been it's been really good and kind of helping me feel like I'm still grounded in it. Okay, so moving away from the indigenous aspect of this podcast, let's talk about leftism. What what would you say your specific brand or, you know, do you believe in sectarianism? You know, what, what's your leftist spiel? Oh, boy. <laughs> it's a little harder um, question, right? <laughs> um, I'm, I'm definitely, like, a Marxist. Um, I'm, I'm kind of investigating, like the differences between Leninism and Maoism right now, I don't have a, ex, like an extremely good understanding. Listen, there isn't a lot of difference. Maoists just like to say they're different. <laughs> I don't know. I, fi- I find the big difference is whether they uphold China or not. And I find a lot of MLs not very critical of China, but they have some critiques and it's usually pretty... It's not very in-depth critiques. It's just something they throw out so they can say, I'm not pro-China. I'm not, I don't stand China completely. And it's like, come on, dude. Like, you got to acknowledge some faults of China. They literally are funding Monarchia and the Tar Sands. That's not cool, dude. <laughs> 
Yeah, I'm. I, I guess I, I kind of say I'm a Maoist, I suppose. Well, see, yeah, I fall more into like a Maoist tradition, I guess. But like, uh, I would call myself a Marxist-Leninist. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I still stand China pretty hard compared to most Maoists, but I'm definitely very influenced by third worldism and just the uh, protracted people's war mass line aspects of Maoism. That's like, you think about how you would perform anything in America, uh, protracted people's war and mass line work is like the best options we have right now. So right. <laughs> That's sort of where my head's at. And then, like, you just read Mao, and mm, next to Stalin, he's the, one of the easiest to read, in my opinion. Like, uh-huh. super great. Um, who's, who's some of your big influences, like, uh, in leftism, like, besides, like, the big three, Mao, Lenin, and Stalin, what everybody names? I haven't read uh, a ton yet, but um, well, Fanon, I'm, I'm oh. Fanon is phenomenal. Like, yes. So I always, I always try to tell people to read Settlers just because it's an easy black pill almost into uh, how race applies to class in a, a settler colonial society. Because I, mm-hmm. I don't necessarily agree with all the points that Sakai makes, but like the overall idea that you're not free from blame just because you're a poor white person. Like race still benefits you in this country. You know, it, I don't take it as far as to say that you're a part of a national, like the bourgeois, simply for being white. That's really dumb, you know. Mm-hmm. But if we're being honest, you're not going to get shot by the cops. Like, right, exactly. <laughs> it's pretty nice. Like, even as like a paler, like uh, especially around here, it's it's a little different story. Like, uh, but if I'm in non-Indian country, um, you can't really tell that I'm an Indian. You know, right, exactly. I could pass as like a Italian or Greek, you know, somebody darker skinned, olive skinned, you know, like mm-hmm. I could be, I could pretend to be white if I wanted to, but then like I say stuff and I give myself away really quickly. It's <laughs> <laughs> usually how it goes. But uh, in Indian country, you're more likely to get beaten up by the cops for having, you know, the stereotypic features being darker skin and, if you're drinking and you look like a native, you're going to get thrown in jail, probably charged with some stuff. Usually white people just get to leave the next morning, but you'll probably get to stay. It's a nice free hotel. Well, not here. It's like $60 a night if you stay in the jail. <laughs> you have to pay them for the privilege of using their uh, drunk tank. It's great. <laughs> Capitalism. I didn't realize you have to pay. No, not everywhere. That's really abnormal. It's not normal at all. Yeah. yeah. That's fucking, that's wild. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty sure that's illegal. I'm not sure, it's though. Wild. <laughs> it's wild. It's, it's super weird. I don't know. I've never heard of it in my life except here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> where were we? Wow, that just major derail. <laughs> that's okay. Um, oh, Fanon. Uh, oh, and Mao and stuff. So, yeah, no, I, n- now reading Fanon and stuff, like, you get so much more. It, it's like a more developed Sakai, almost. And it's yeah. critical of the Soviet Union and China at the same time, which, while also supporting them. So I love him so much. I love Fanon. <laughs> yeah, he's, um, 
I'm listening to his uh, work through Red Menace right now. Oh, uh, so do you watch it. Mark's Madness at all? I have a bit. I've I've listened. I've gone back through their archive, and I'm I'm li- oh, halfway through Capital Das Capital. Not their best series. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, it, their Wretched of the Earth is really good. They it, they take like three episodes to get through fourteen pages of Fanon, just because they're so engrossed with what he says. Like it's pretty great. It's really cool. Yeah, it's a really in-depth and I mean, we're never going to finish the book at this rate, but <laughs> it's pretty good. And uh like uh their state and rev episodes are pretty good for people who don't want to read it even though it's a pretty straight book, but you know, state and rev is A1 reading material. Um in in terms of philosophers, not a ton. Actually, a lot of my education I've gotten so far has been, like, through just kind of listening to people debate online and stuff and listening to people talk about things because that's kind of how... I get it. That's how I started off. And then memes and stuff. It was memes that got me into the debate circles. Uh-huh. That's That seems to be the natural transition. But then, like, going away from meme communism using podcasts and reading, it's like the next right, step. exactly. Uh, like I don't know. I think like uh, Red Manis and uh, Marx Manis have a great idea with reading theory. Like I w- actually, uh, you, you might be interested in doing this with me, but we're going to be doing a collaboration for Redskin White Masks by Glenn Coltarn. Yeah, right. At, once they're done with Fanon, however long that takes, you know. <laughs> yeah 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 and then we were gonna see if we can try to get glenn for like a preliminary episode yeah yeah, i don't know because we we have an episode planned for nick estes but uh uh, oh yeah so we're pretty excited but uh we want to do more reading series so if you have certain books you want to read that you've never read before uh or you have books that none of us have read that we all want to read you know that's a great idea like i have plenty of books i want to read on air (laughs) like bury my heart at wounded knee i think is an essential that everybody should read for yes i actually um i just uh rented that through my library so it's great d brown mm, great author like um vine deloria jr and d brown are two of my favorite native authors who are your favorite authors not even including theory let's just talk about your favorite interests even like reading for fun are you a weirdo like okay i'm a weirdo too don't worry (laughs) (laughs) um i i didn't read for a while because um i'm actually i i kind of had like a a schizophrenia break when i was in like my late teens and so when actually uh when you have a schizophrenia break like 70 percent of people with um schizophrenia become dyslexic really Mm -hmm. that would so okay, sorry. I just had a realization, but <laughs> okay. I love telling people stuff like that because um, my wife are really big on a uh, like anti psychiatry. Okay. And so we, we talk about, Ooh, like, excuse me. You know, like uh, this is the stuff that you've never been told, and that's probably why you're experiencing this. Well, not me, but my sister developed dyslexia after she had some episodes in her late teens and schizophrenia. Run yeah. like my mom's a schizophrenic and my brother's a schizophrenic. You know, it just seems to be. It's almost like really common in native communities, which is kind of sad. And I wonder why. Like I think it's no, all exactly. that de. It's the colonization causing a uh, what's it called cross generation cross generational 
trauma. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, yeah it's it's interesting. I've noted that too because this could also be confirmation bias because um, I kind of I made a lot of my friends that I have now through chronic illness and mental illness circles online, but I don't I have not met a single native family so far. That's seriously that's so like okay so I went into a psych ward for like uh, two weeks uh, to a month something I can't remember but uh, they gave me a lot of meds. Uh, there was two natives in there a Potawatomi girl and a Ojibwe guy and the Ojibwe guy never took his medication but the Potawatomi girl took her medication. Totally different when you take that medication but uh uh, I am. Is this legal for me to be talking about? I don't know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm sure it's fine. But like, the, both of them had schizophrenia and stuff, and I was like, just in, like, first off, why are there so many natives in the psych ward at once? You, you know, why is there one other white? Like, there's one other person with us who was white. Oh, and then later on, another guy came in, like when I was about to be leaving. But uh. Freaking, yeah, the only people in this tiny psych ward is Native Americans, pretty much. It's just like, I think there's something wrong with this. How much, too, that uh, psychiatry plays into sort of, uh, like, racialized ableism? Well, yeah, so, like, uh, I was I was arrested for having, like, an anxiety attack and, like, screaming. And so they were like, oh, we had a domestic disturbance call. And so then they're like, we're, okay, we're putting you in the psych ward. And I was just like, okay. What is happening? <laughs> like, cops show up, pointing guns. Is everything okay? Yeah, he's just having a panic attack. Okay, he's going to hurt himself. We need to put him in a freaking uh, institution. It's messed up. Yeah, it's it's pretty fucked. I, um, I also, I only went in a psych ward for a couple nights, thankfully, when I went. But I was also put in kind of involuntarily when uh, I, um, I, I was, like, outside at night. And I was having, like, a, kind of a psychotic thing. And... Uh, then cops came and they had like they had a dog with them. What? Like, That's so why, weird. Why would you bring an attack dog with you when you're con like confronting a mentally ill person? That's just crazy. I still can't believe that. It, the stigma against mental illness is just incredible. I don't know. Yeah. I I feel like a lot of that like a lot of the uh, police brutality against natives uh, plays from mental illness. I mean, I would have to look more at the statistics, but. A lot of times, people in prison who are Native American have mental illnesses that go untreated while in prison. Like, uh, my yeah. brother was in prison in Phoenix for a while, and they do not like Natives in that prison. Yeah. Fuck Phoenix, PD. Fuck Phoenix. Oh, my God. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. But <laughs> anyway, uh, um, what are you? some of your hobbies? Uh, I know you said you do some art and stuff so yeah i'm uh i'm a digital artist um so wait wait plug yourself where can people look at your stuff <laughs> we're also going to be making t-shirts i'm buying uh Hun's stuff for making t-shirts and i'm going to get myself stuff for making t-shirts and we're going to make homemade merch and nice. sell it yeah we're going to do this like we're going to call it uh, we're going to get an website we're going to call it our indian car the band's Indian car. That's awesome. Okay. And it's like we're going around to each of your computers in our little station wagon that's barely held up together, and we're going to sell you some merchandise. Huh? <laughs> it, <laughs> it's literally just so I can make this uh, uh, 
Bureau of Caucasian Affairs <laughs> t-shirt. I just... I remember when you when you uh, talked about that during. Yeah. The, um, well, I figured what it could it couldn't be like more than five dollars a shirt if you make it yourself, right? Yeah. I figured we could probably sell them eight bucks a pop. To, I don't know. That's awesome. Like, because what shipping is going to be? I don't know. Two dollars? How much is shipping? I've never shipped anything. I don't. <laughs> I don't sell things ever. <laughs> but, <laughs> For the two dollars, but it's not too bad. Oh, I'm sure. Whatever. We'll figure it out. We'll figure out how to cover costs of the shirt, supplies, and shipping, and that's yeah. it. You know, and then freaking, we'll make more shirts and stuff, and everybody can get cool shirts made by us. And, like, oh, tell yeah. your friends about podcasts. <laughs> it's a good. It's a good idea. This is how the revolution begins with a podcast. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. literally (laughs) um uh, yeah i was i was just making this joke the other day i was like they were like yeah why would anybody even really care about like well because one day maybe you'll have the opportunity to participate in a revolution possibly you know if anybody would freaking just stop getting like staying on their keyboards all day, you know, <laughs> get out and actually start organizing. Right. But like after like the Corbin loss and stuff, I'm just like the system's so rigged and people get so beaten down when they don't win. And it's like elections aren't that important. Just start building. Just do it. <laughs> I, know. All, like, I have like very very like like totla very close friends i love them but like uh just a lot of people around me talk about like bernie and it's like i just can't get excited because it's like i just he's gonna lose he's going to lose there's zero hope in him winning i don't know why anybody actually believes he's gonna win it's dumb to think he's gonna win they've openly said they're gonna rig it against him again they've already said it and we know what's going to happen they're doing the same exact moves they did in 2016. And I wouldn't be surprised if Hillary Clinton throws her hat into the ring at the very end of this primary. Like, <laughs> I could yeah. see her doing that. It's it's rough because it's like even if, even if he does win and he's president, it's what does that accomplish? He's going to be everybody's going to be against him. Every besides Alexandria Ocasio Cortez, and it, people make fun of her left and right. So we're pretty. F- Oh, we're pretty screwed on this one. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, like you, you look at like their, like you look deeper at their politics. And I mean, like uh, Acacia Cortez, um, she was like pro-Palestine, as I understand, before she won her seat. And then she backtracked on that once she won her seat. Yeah. Because she knew that she couldn't maintain that position. If she Opportunism. Congress. Opportunism yeah, and exactly. its finest. Like, that's the only reason. Like, I think it, it's in state and rev where Lenin goes, well, the only reason we should participate in the bourgeois democracy is to show that the bourgeois democracy is a contradictory system or something like that. But uh, I don't know. I'd have to look up the real quote. <laughs> but that's the basic premise is that it's going to contradict itself into its own destruction and everybody's going to abandon it because everybody already right. stopped believing in the two-party system a while ago. <laughs> right, exactly. Isn't it Fannin that says uh, in its usual decadence, uh, the United States has a one-party system with two parties? Yes, I believe so. <laughs> this is good. <laughs> a one quote. <laughs> Um, <clears throat> who's some of your heroes? 
you have heroes? Just in general? Yeah. Did you trade your heroes for ghosts? <laughs> Hot ashes for trees. <laughs> oh, we should start a band. Yeah. <laughs> Bands. Of Turtle, Turtle Island, I love it. Wait, no, no, Band of Turtle Island. It's our band. Yes. Look us up on Bandcamp, okay? Just, just the one band. The only one. Band of Turtle Island. There is singular. This is the state-sanctioned band of Turtle Island. Yes. Uh, oh, shit. Where were we? Heroes, heroes. There we go. Who are some of your heroes? It's it's such a broad question. I can't think off the top of my head. Um, uh, I don't know. I'll come back to that one. All right. Eventually, sometime later, you can just randomly throw out. Yes. Uh, okay. Yeah. Whatever. You get what I'll I mean. Just drop a name, and then you'll have to figure it out. So, um, hmm. What's your favorite color? <laughs> impromptu in interview this is great conversation has really just gone in the gutter huh <laughs> <laughs> maybe we should move on to Bolivia for the record uh, it's green and orange okay my favorite is yellow I don't think I've ever said that on, on this but my favorite right. color is yellow um So, um, we made a statement on Twitter, uh, October, November, whenever the Bolivia coup started, uh, that we were going to release an episode, uh, for Bolivia and I'd release a double episode introducing our new co-hosts and finally doing this Bolivia synopsis, especially after quite some time and a lot has, uh, unfolded and unraveled in this situation we're kind of seeing where it's going now it's really shitty that's where it's going uh <laughs> and so we're gonna talk about the Boliv bolivian coup against evo morales today uh i hope y'all enjoy and i hope you enjoyed the beginning section introducing huns 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 yes huns okay yeah and that's a lot. I can't imagine. I I, I want to know Jibboy co-host because I want to hear a long name said every day, every time we record. Names can get pretty long. But, do, uh, do they? I should, 
Yes, I should clarify also that this isn't, I don't have a traditional Haida name. Quince is a, is a nickname that I use that was, that I, I asked my instructor <clears throat> and she said it was okay. Well, so for the record, all of us on here use a nickname instead of our real, like, I don't use my real Lakota name. PGG okay. doesn't have a real Lakota name, never has had a naming ceremony or anything like that. And then, uh, of course, you're using a nickname. Uh, like you just said, uh, but like Shemani Tutankham just means wolf. That's all it means. Uh, right. Which is my spirit animal because uh, the my godmother spirit animal was uh, wolf, and so I'm just sort of doing it to honor her. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then my little sister was gonna be Shemani Tutankham Uwashte. No, wait. Yuhumani, Yuhumani, that it, there it is, <laughs> which uh, is walks with wolves, but like feminine dialect, like the feminine oh. way of saying that. Uh, but she was a stillbirth, so that that's sad. But I, that's why I go by wolf. Um, and then it's like I'm more, I'm getting my name changed this summer, so why even? Like I don't even know. <laughs> Be Lakota is confusing sometimes. <laughs> I believe we have a newcomer. Hello. Oh, it's P. <laughs> you came yeah. just in time. We just got done with Hunt's vid uh, video interview. <laughs> <laughs> We're doing YouTube now. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, as I was just explaining to everybody that everyone on here uses a nickname for their uh, for the names on here, like P A G G, Shumanditai. Hunts. <laughs> uh, so, um, no, any, I guess, I think Owen was the only one who ever used their real name. What, uh, where were we? <laughs> uh, Didn't we ever make a statement by that, by the way? Like, why he's not on the show anymore? Uh, do we want to make a statement on that? Like, completely? Because I still don't know the complete situation, and all I can say is That's that. Right. There was a whistleblower who came to us with allegations. Uh, first off, out of practice of believing the victim, always. Uh, we're disassociating with him from the show. Uh, and from there, we're just going to leave it at that. Because, uh, I don't know, I don't want to dox anybody as well. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I don't know what the situation is with like his family or what okay i just let's leave it there all right so anyway uh <laughs> bolivia had a coup <laughs> talk about that <laughs> that sweet sweet swag swag way segway <laughs> um we're going to try to analyze the coup a bit and then read a shitty, shitty article that by The Hill that tries to analyze the coup. It's going to be great. Yes. <laughs> I try to stay off Twitter, okay? But it's a great way to get quick news alerts. And when there's a coup, it's the best way to get your news alerts because CNN and Fox and nobody is really going to tell you anything that's true. Um, so, uh, as soon as this coup started, there was a bajillion freaking bot accounts saying there's no coup in Bolivia. <laughs> okay. Yeah. 
for context, so what happens is um, MAS, the, the Movement for Socialism in Bolivia, uh, candidate Evo Morales, was able to go for a third term after the uh, Supreme Court ru- ruled it unconstitutional to have term limits on the president because that rule was instituted in like 2002 or something like really it's a very new rule that you could only have a few terms okay very new and so you they ruled it unconstitutional because it's not in the constitution it actually is not in the constitution wow (laughs) (laughs) and so freaking uh he runs for a third term uh he wins they say, no, OAS is going to do an audit. OAS does an audit. OAS says that uh, there's no way he could have a 17% lead. There's, it's just impossible. That's their reasoning, that it was a fraudulent uh, vote, is that there was just too many votes for Evo. Imp- that's it. There was just too many votes for Evo. Too many people voted for him. It was yeah. just, okay. <laughs> like... It's unbelievable how stupid this story sounds when I say it. Holy crap. Uh, (laughs) And so um, the military comes in while this audit's being announced. And literally two after the the audit's announced, Evo says we're going to have new elections. Um, And then the military comes in and they're like, hey, buddy, you need to get the fuck out <laughs> like, you're not gonna win <laughs> and so Evo flees to mexico where when he lands he's greeted with praise and applause by mexicans in the airport it's great and it's a beautiful scene to see and it's just you know heartwarming to see socialists around the world uniting especially in latin america against u.s imperialism that being said what happened after Evo? leaves huh does anybody know or does anybody have anything to say before we move on to this (laughs) (laughs) okay so so uh you know what i accidentally started a perfect transition from where the script is (laughs) (laughs) so um before we show you some well before well lincoln and the sources but uh before we play you some audio of the reactionary uh reaction (laughs) reactionary (laughs) i'm good at english (laughs) um i'm gonna quote evil morales okay as long as imperialism exists there will never be peace justice or sovereignty for the people of the world war is the business of capitalism Cue the audio. All right, and in this, I'm going to play a bunch of freaking police beatings of indigenous people and stuff. Very graphic. Trigger warning. Please fast forward, okay, if you don't want to listen to this. (laughs) Quiero que sepan, mis hermanas y hermanos, estoy renunciando para que Mesa y Camacho no sigan haciendo patear, quemar sus casas de mis hermanos. Duele ver eso. Por eso hemos decidido renunciar a nuestros cargos. Esperamos que nunca más haya esta clase de pateaduras. A la comunidad internacional, sean de las Naciones Unidas, sean de la OEA, Unión Europea, embajadores, digan la verdad sobre este golpe de Estado. Difunda 
Repito nuevamente, ser indígena y ser de izquierda antiimperialista es nuestro pecado. Pero repito, no termina aquí, hermano Álvaro. Vamos a continuar. Baja esa piedra. Baja esa piedra. Oye, hijo de puta, mírame, mírame, hijo de puta, mírame vos igual. Cállate, risa, pendejo. Cállate, risa, pendejo. Hijo de puta. Nos vamos a buscar a Nosotros estábamos, hemos dejado para comprarnos comida, queríamos comer mi esposo. Él es mi esposo. I'm falling. I'm paying $4 a month with some of the Patreon money for several subscriptions to Latin American so news sources. Uh, yeah. It's it's wild to read like what's actually going on that's not uh, talked about. Talk about intermission. <laughs> 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 um, continuing. Uh, I try to stay off Twitter, uh, like I said, but... Uh, from what I gather with everything going on, what immediately happened as soon as Evo Morales is gone out of the country, beatings, as you just heard, there's a full military lockdown of the city of uh, La Plaza and uh, the capital. Wait, is La Plaza the capital? Oh, man, I'm such a bad Bolivia watcher. Listen, if you're listening to me, you're <laughs> I, El Alto and La Plaza. Those were the two cities that got on lockdown. But <laughs> if you're listening to me talk, I just read a lot and I try to give a pretty unbullshitting, uh, like not bullshitting. Unbullshitting is not a word. <laughs> a non-bullshit uh, synopsis so people can just present these things how they are as fact, you know. So, uh, you should probably be educated on the Bolivarian Revolution. We want to do an episode on that. Um, but so I think the the Bolivarian Revolution sort of encapsulates that uh, that idea we presented in the first AM episode of a spiritual succession of movements. So the Bolivarian Revolution begins with Simone Bolivar long ago. I can't tell you the exact date because I'm not that educated on it. I'm getting there more and more. I wanted to be more educated before this, but I have a basic understanding of how this happened. So let's continue. So anyway, uh, the principles Bolivia is founded on is the principles of the Bolivarian Revolution, which is like a sort of democratic socialism almost. Um, and like, uh, 
uh, it aligns itself into a third position, like in the Cold War. And so you see it going, well, we don't have to do it the way the Soviets did it. We can do it peacefully. And so like stuff like Allende uh, in Chile uh, getting overthrown, you know, by the CIA. And then like subsequently every other Latin American country uh, that isn't socialist right now got overthrown by the CIA. And even the ones that are socialist right now got overthrown by the CIA before. And sometimes it's a CIA socialist country. It's weird. <laughs> like it's a fake social, like people I've heard people call Pinochet a socialist, but anyway, <laughs> Bolivia uh, elected Evo Morales in like 2007 or something like that. Um, and he was the first indigenous leader, uh, like of modern times. Simone Boulevard was apparently indigenous, I guess, and then several other people. But like, a, it's always the case of like blood quantum arguments. And uh, our stance on this show is blood quantum is not a very good argument. So <laughs> <laughs> it gets you uh, your sweet, sweet hunting rights. And uh, past that point, come on, dude, come come to a powwow at least. Come on, yeah. if you're gonna call yourself a native, come on. <laughs> yeah. Um, just try to do something, man. Don't just be white and go. I'm two percent Native American. Mm. <laughs> when they hand out their cards at the powwows. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so in one of the videos that I played. Uh, that I'm going to try to roughly translate as best I can. I speak not even conversational Spanish. <laughs> it's going to be a lot of Google translate and some Spanish friends of mine that are going to translate it for me. I kind of read Spanish, but you might be better off. I don't know if there's uh, subtitles. Some of it's just audio. So I got to find several different people to help me translate all this, but we'll get it done. Anyway, we saw the police, not the police, the military cut off the Wipala from their patches. And so Bolivia was established as a plural national state trying to bridge the contradictions of settlerism in a peaceful manner uh, without having to like brutally overthrow capitalism. You know, it's kind of hard to do that in a world scheme, especially in south america like we the u.s literally has a policy called the roosevelt corollary where people aren't allowed to fuck with south america because we're fucking with them oh, yeah it's in addition to the monroe doctrine like i was taught about that in public school that like it's acknowledged as pretty uh bs you know well, I guess I went to an alternative, but it, like it's the fact that my teacher was talking about this just sort of speaks for itself because he definitely wasn't a Marxist. <laughs> he was like a libertarian. <laughs> yeah, who was like, yeah, we shouldn't be interventionalists, which I mean, I guess, okay, I'm down with that. If you don't want to be imperialist, cool. You're all, you're all right with me. But... uh don't be a libertarian, please. <laughs> please. Please. <laughs> um, you're just dumb at that point. You, you understand imperialism's bad, but you're like, capitalism's still good. <laughs> yeah, we could just, we could just do it better. This Capitalism time. in one country. <laughs> no, shut up. No. 
um, <laughs> so uh, basically, this is literally them saying, "Fuck indigenous people. We don't care about them." Um, and uh, even uh, their leaders. Well, I guess we'll get to that. But like, basically. Uh, they don't want, you also heard indigenous people screaming and stuff as they were being dragged in the street and be in. Uh, there was, uh, part of that audio was a politician ha having red paint poured on her and being like uh, tied up in the street for being part of MAS. Um, basic, and, and then the settlers here in America have the audacity to defend the coup. <laughs> Colleen, Evo authoritarian for seeking a third term. Um, this dumb. <laughs> Obviously, yes. Uh, literally, the Carter Center ranked Venezuela and Bolivia amongst the best democracies and like top ten best democracies. Would do again, you know, <laughs> like ten out of ten. The U.S. is like fifteen on that list. Like we are, we have a worse democracy than Bolivia and Venezuela. That's Carter, Jimmy Carter, our former president's center for democracy said that. Okay. <laughs> I don't know what else to say to liberals at that point. Like Jimmy Carter should be your boy. <laughs> He's like the liberal poster child. <laughs> um, at this time, Jimmy, oddly enough, Jimmy Carter is hospitalized due to natural causes. <laughs> but uh, I think it's a good way to lead into the conspiracy side of this stuff. Uh, <laughs> there's no evidence that Jimmy Carter was like hurt by the U.S. government. But uh, it, the OAS is really uh, like intertwined with the CIA like they pre they purposely preclude Cuba from it. Well, they used to since 1962, uh, and it, recently in 2009 is when Cuba was allowed to participate in this organization, which is supposed to uh, it's the Organization of American States. That should be all American states, but it's not. So, uh, <laughs> weirdly enough, uh, they're the same ones that. Uh, ruled Venezuela, like said that Venezuela had a fraudulent election, even though they too have one of the best democracies that require a fingerprint scan to vote. You know, <laughs> that's pretty, uh, cool, I guess. I don't know. I'm a little uncomfortable with that, but, uh, yeah, I get that. <laughs> that's because I live in America. You know, I, I feel like if we had a proletarian state, it's a little different, but even then, like I get where anarchists come from when they go, but what if they go bad, you know? <laughs> um, basically, so as I mentioned, uh, well, actually, while we're still on the OAS, Mexico is threatening to leave the OAS because of, uh, and Venezuela as well, uh, because uh, all this bullshit they just pulled with Bolivia, because Bolivia is like the most harmless little country you could ever do anything to. Like nobody, even Brazil's not talking about going to war with Bolivia. <laughs> like, <laughs> And Bolsonaro's insane. So, uh, <laughs> um, if you if you guys don't know anything about Bolsonaro, go check out episode three. I think it is. 
<laughs> He's insane. So uh, we we have a similar uh, situation going on in Bolivia now that Evo has gone with far right extremists taking over. So uh, first, we're going to talk about uh, the Union of Santa Cruz led by Luis Fernando Camacho. Listen to that name. <laughs> That's a gr- like I don't know. I'd like to say his name. But he's a fascist. Uh, He's been called uh, the Bolivian Bolsonaro. And um, if that's the case, we should be extremely worried because Bolsonaro just left his political party and started a declared fascist religious fanatics political party (laughs) with complete loyalty to Bolsonaro with his sons. They left the party and formed their own fascist party. It's insane. Yeah. But this comes... This straight dystopian. Yeah, this is crazy. Wait, wait, you're we're not even that deep into it, but wait till we're deeper. Oh my god. So (laughs) this comes paralleled with several pieces of audio that we're gonna play now, uh, with the coup leaders and some awful rhetoric. Uh and you should probably go look at it because they do an obvious Hitler salute at the end, (laughs) like just playing out at the end. Like no doubt about it. <laughs> There's not even like you can't even do the Hong Kong play on it where it's five uh, demands. You know, it's like this is just straight up hail Hitler. Yeah, <laughs> right. It's like Richard Spencer, hail our people, hail Hitler. We'll play that audio too. <laughs> que nosotros, como en octubre, por ejemplo, en octubre de lo que hicimos cuando las Fuerzas Armadas estaban apoyando a Goni Sánchez de Rosada. ¿Qué hemos dicho los arteños? Ya, marquemos las casas de todos los militares. Nos vamos a arreglar con la familia de los militares, ya que ellos no quieren apoyar al pueblo, a, marquemos sus casas. Hemos marcado las casas de los policías, de los militares, y ya ha habido un poquito de miedo Y el pueblo ya estaba un poco conforme, ¿por qué? Ah, militares, había sido militares. Entonces eso nos ayuda. Ahora, ¿qué tendríamos que hacer? Marcar las casas de los nazistas. Es bien sencillo, de noche, de día, un ratito pintarle una X con cualquier color y listo. Y identificarlo. Así como nos están, nos están, ¿cómo se dice? Ya nos han, han dicho que el 21 de agosto, que nosotros los comités cívicos, con el CONADE y con, los, con, los, eh, con la coordinadora de las Fuerzas Armadas de la Policía, íbamos a dar golpe de Estado el 21. Estás viendo, la presidenta está eh, llegando al antiguo palacio presidencial con una, una Biblia, al parecer es en la que se va a juramentar en el recinto antiguo. Dice que... Ha permitido que la Biblia vuelva a entrar a Palacio. Que él nos bendiga. ¡Gloria a Dios! ¡Gloria a Dios! ¡La Biblia vuelve a Palacio! Un momento simbólico por lo que vemos, porque dice que es para que entre la, la Biblia al Palacio de Gobierno, como puedes ver. Es algo difícil entrar y tenemos que ser. Um, so anyway, 
watching these videos and listening to the audio and just researching for this episode, super emotionally draining because it's an absolutely insane what's going on. As, as like a few hours after the freaking uh, uh, after Evo leaves, leaves <laughs> after Evo has to flee, uh, that guy Camacho, uh, the Senate Minority Leader, and then another person go into the pa- like the govern government palace. And with a Bible and put it on the flag and say, said, uh, Christ is returned to Bolivia and uh, the indigenous mother will never be allowed back into the palace or something like that. Jesus. Yeah, I, I wish I wrote down the quote. <laughs> it's pretty messed up. But um, and they posted this on social media. It's not even said they posted this on social media. Uh, later that night, uh, the. Only senator, senate, like senate leader that's in line who hasn't been arrested or fled the country, uh, because everybody else ahead of her literally was arrested or had to flee the country. That's the only reason she's the de facto president. Uh, even then, she was not e- able to reach quorum, so there nobody declared her president except herself. And even the Hill, the Hill, which we'll read later, who's super shitty. Uh, said that she declared herself president, but they justify it. Uh, <laughs> they're like, unfortunately, everyone else disappeared. It's like, oh, really? <laughs> Why is that? Yeah. Uh, light of the situation, but it's it's literally like the bit in the office where Nellie uh, just declares herself manager. Yes. And then she's manager. Yes. Yes. It's the office. This is the office. That's what's going on right now. I got it, I got it on the mind because I've been rewatching it lately. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so she's working with the uh, Luis Fernando and the Santa Cruz civic community in order to like a civic union. Uh, same difference. Uh, so, uh, but they're working with like other militia groups and the military to uh, literally go door to door and search for indigenous people to, and this is only happening. Well, this was only happening in El Alto and La Plaza at this time. But unfortunately, uh, they're starting to get more sway (laughs) with the military. If you get what I mean, a little more shooting. And now people aren't really confronting them as often um, or in full force. But we'll we'll go through this entire freaking timeline. We're we're still pretty early on. So Janine Inez is not only a part of the far right, uh, but she's also a member of Jared Leto's cult echelon. I did. What? I, I read about that a little bit. It's fucking crazy. She constantly tweets him without a response. He never responds to her. But she constantly tweets him. It's like, what the fuck? It's so insane. <laughs> Why does Jared Leto have a cult? I don't know. <laughs> but for centuries. <laughs> right? <laughs> He's the Joker. Uh, but for centuries, anyone left of the established powers is called a witch and burned at the stake. And now we see a freaking fascist cult member running the government while calling the uh, the atheist leftist indigenous person a witch and trying to burn them at a stake. Oh my God. Um, in Venezuela, Guaido is trying to like get a like... Um, 
support against Bolivia. Guaido is still around. Yes, really. It's true. Um, and they refer to Morales as El Indio. Oh, yes. Yeah. That just like reveals a lot of the racist uh, positioning of these, yeah. like Bolsonaro, Guaido, and Inez with, uh, what's his name, uh, Camacho. Yeah. I, whenever I say Camacho, I think of uh, Idiocracy with President Camacho. <laughs> Played by Terry Crews. Have you guys seen that movie? No. It's pretty bad. It's pretty problematic. But uh, (laughs) he's like a... I know she's barren with all that starving bullshit and the dust storms and we running out of french fries and burrito coverings. Yeah. Wrestling, like a fake, re- like, well, pro wrestling, you know, WWE star that, like, uh-huh. is named, like, something Mountain Dew Camacho. It's really weird. And basically, like, the entire world is just turned into complete idiots. And oddly enough, there's too many parallels to now. <laughs> Like back in 2008 when it came out, not so much, but definitely 2019. Holy crap, we've gone downhill fast. Whew. Um, where were we? So, if <laughs> this combined with several leaked audio, uh, where uh, Cruz, Rubio, and uh, Several other Republican leaders are implicated in aiding in the Bolivian coup, as well as the Venezuelan coup, uh, which we'll now play. Marco Rubio, yo trabajé con Marco Rubio en Estados Unidos y entonces le, le estoy haciendo conocer lo que está pasando en ADN él me ha pedido una, un detalle de qué es lo que ha pasado con ADN con el permiso del gente nacional ya le hice en castellano pero él me ha pedido que se, va, se lo traduzca en inglés para que eh, él haga llegar a Ted Cruz por ejemplo a Bob Menéndez que es el partido de Bogotá entonces estoy en ese proceso cuando tú vas a ir a Estados Unidos sería muy bueno que tú también le des esta carta a, a, a Marco Rubio incluso me han hecho el enlace con Colombia estoy trabajando con la gente del el presidente ya entonces estamos, estamos trabajando, y estoy trabajando con el secretario privado de presidente Uribe, el ingeniero Senado americano a la propuesta presentada por los senadores Roberto Menéndez 
diciembre, perdón, de enero, presentaron una propuesta al Senado en general, indicando de que se debería, hay preocupación sobre el aspecto de las elecciones futuras en Bolivia y porque debería haber habido de acuerdo a la Constitución Boliviana uh, una reelección continua. ¿no? Entonces eh, tenía que haber sido los años X o los próximos. No puede dejarse un lapso y volver a, a postularse, digamos. ¿no? Entonces eso es lo que eh, se ha estado revisando y estos tres senadores, que es una acción bipartidista, el Partido Demócrata y el Partido Republicano se han puesto de acuerdo para prever y tener un cuidado en que Bolivia no caiga en lo que está pasando Venezuela y Nicaragua. Entonces, yo había sugerido en la anterior reunión, si se recuerdan, de que hagamos unas cartas institucionales o familiares a estas tres personas que se interesan en el bienestar nuestro se interesan en que el voto del 21 de febrero del 2016 sea reconocido y el binomio de Evo Álvaro eh, no vaya nuevamente porque están inhabilitados. Pero nuevamente aparecieron ellos y presentaron el 3 de abril nuevamente una propuesta al Senado, la que aceptó esa propuesta para que vaya a un debate dentro del Senado. Yo realmente no sé, estoy un poco emocionado por esto. Me imagino que en, en la resistencia que debemos tener contra un gobierno inmoral y ilegal, inhabilitado, uh, cualquier tipo de resistencia y, y trabajo en contra de ellos es beneficioso. A esto lo veo muy serio lo del Senado, porque el Senado... De Estados Unidos es algo muy contundente. Digo, si hay un debate y realmente en que es conveniente eh, preocuparse por la situación de la ruptura de la democracia en Bolivia, puede que en el futuro pueda haber algunas restricciones y algunas uh, formas de hacerle notar al gobierno boliviano de que tenga que entrar en el ambiente de la democracia y cumplir todo lo que corresponde a la Constitución Boliviana. Pues se pueden haber sanciones, y eso nos ayudaría mucho a que este binomio no se presente. Ahora, la, la esperanza que debemos tener es en el Senado americano. Son los que van a posiblemente tumbar a Maduro. Entonces, no sé si hay algunas sugerencias que indiquen que una, una estrategia diferente a lo que se está planteando hay. Insisto, si hay algo para que nos continúen dando apoyo con unas cartas, como dicen, institucionales o familiares o individuales, sería bueno que se mantenga. Y esta noche cuando sea con podamos hacer siquiera una carta para que se pueda empezar ya, porque se empieza con una y después ya van haciendo las cosas. No nos confiemos en que para Bolivia va a haber las Naciones Unidas o la OEA. Imposible.
incluso una determinación del pacto de San José que indica que el derecho humano de Morales es volverse a postular, incluso si va en contra de Dios, como dice, puede inscribirse que no va a parar. Y entra al ruedo de las elecciones. Pero si vemos de qué y hacemos pensar y ver y mostrar al Senado americano y al gobierno americano de que esta elección va a ser ilegal e incluso si pierde, más que seguro, si hay transparencia, ilegalidad y no hay fraude, tenemos que hacer una estrategia. Ojalá hayan algunas ideas en el sentido este. Estos tres hombres que están mencionados en nuestra agendita son la llave que están manejando el interés de que el pueblo boliviano tenga la justicia por el voto del 21 de febrero del 2016. En um, translate, I guess, if I can't find a pre-translated one because he's gotten pretty popular. Uh, basically, they wanted to stop uh, them from establishing a bank that was being talked between Cuba, Venezuela, Bolivia, and Mexico. They were talking about establishing a Latin American bank to combat the IMF. Uh, that seems to be my what I take from uh, why America wants to do all these coups, as well as the large lithium deposits, both in Mexico and Bolivia. Um, Mexico just discovered new, uh, new lithium uh, deposits. <laughs> Uh, and I think it's larger than all of Bolivia's, too. Oh, God. Yeah. So it's Mexico's going to have a coup. Uh, <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. Wait for it. Um, but we, we could clearly see that the CIA in the U.S. is clearly involved, and it's not that conspiratorial, even though, you know, Jimmy Carter is mysteriously in the hospital now. <laughs> Um, but they have a so, so the one of the audios calls for an armed coup. The other one saying they should go and capture Evo supporters. Both of these things happen. And then uh, this next audio we're gonna play is the police joining with the reactionary for, forces and kicking in doors to beat people, uh, indigenous people up. Um, This is clearly a form of, they're, they're trying to kick indigenous people out, kill them. I want us to be surprised if a concentration camp pops up uh, and an ethnic cleansing starts. Like 60% of Bolivia's population is indigenous. That's a lot. Yeah. I don't think white people like being the minority. <laughs> so uh, they're going to try to reduce that. And uh, yeah, it's a little disgusting what's going to happen. Yeah. But um, now, as uh, El, El Alto is kind of like, well, at that time, at the time of writing this, uh, while, while the police were beating up people in the streets at first, uh, the city became surrounded with indigenous people from Chile and uh, the surrounding 
rural area uh, coming to, you know, sub- show support and to uh, strike as well as shut down highways and stuff because uh, of the Minister of Communications uh, support for, uh, well, they threatened uh, journalists for reporting the horrific crimes going on. Uh, that was like one of the big things that sparked uh, people coming from Chile. Uh, <laughs> and so uh, we'll play that audio of all those people coming to surround El Alto and like, bear, uh, like uh, what's the term? Blockade the city. al señor Camacho que está viene amenazando consecuentemente a lo que es el trabajo que hace el gobierno y desmerece el trabajo de las organizaciones sociales. A ese señor no hay que hablarle nada, simplemente le voy a mandar un mensaje que se ponga a pensar porque está haciendo levantar al pueblo y cuando se levante el león dormido a la cabeza de sus mineros las cosas son serias, que vaya a su departamento, que pacifique las cosas que ya no siga incurriendo en delitos penales como la toma de instituciones y peor aún incitando a la discriminación, el racismo, la agresión, el golpe de Estado que están manifestando, que obviamente sabemos que es financiado. Lo vamos a buscar hasta el último rincón del país, si es que sigue confrontando a nuestra patria Bolivia, a nuestro proceso que nos ha costado vidas consolidar un Estado plurinacional de Bolivia. ¿Cuál es el compromiso de los mineros, hermano Orlando? Vida. El compromiso de nuestra propia vida en defensa de nuestra pacha. Históricamente lo hemos realizado en defensa del país, hemos recuperado la democracia a punta de dinamita y lo vamos a seguir haciendo para la defensa de nuestra democracia y peor aún, defender obviamente las intenciones de golpe de Estado que ya lo han lanzado. Por lo tanto, vamos a estar en pie de lucha a partir de este momento hasta la definición final de la pacificación de la población boliviana. Bueno, eh, su mensaje a todo el pueblo boliviano. Que simplemente hay que darse cuenta de cómo han enarbolado el día de hoy y nuevamente han sacado a la luz la lucha de clases. La lucha de clases prácticamente se está viendo acá, entre blancos y negros, así de claro tengo que decirlo, porque lamentablemente ellos no aceptan. Y lo que no nos va a perdonar el imperio es que el día de hoy un hermano indígena, dirigente, ha dominado y ha manejado y ha conducido mejor a través del gobierno. Por lo tanto, eso es lo que no les, les duele a ellos y no les deja dormir. Creo que los trabajadores estamos más unidos que nunca. La vanguardia del movimiento obrero del país sólida en esta movilización. Muy amable, gracias. Así de esta manera estamos escuchando las palabras de nuestro ejecutivo. En todo caso, aquí el representante máximo de los mineros de toda Bolivia, nuestro hermano Orlando, junto a su comitiva en esta marcha importante en apoyo a lo que es el proceso de cambio y en apoyo a lo que es nuestro hermano presidente Evo Morales.
movilización multitudinaria de una ciudad que ha sido caracterizado de la revolución y de la rebeldía contra el racismo y asimismo pedimos como nuestra demanda la renuncia de esa presidenta golpista Yáñez. A lot of audio this episode. <laughs> but there's a lot of good things going on, so that's pretty nice. Um, and a lot of it's intense, so I'm sorry about that and the switching. I'm going to try to do a lot of transitioning and editing. <laughs> but with the initial analysis out of the way, we're going to try to talk about the more inspiring and hopeful parts of this, you know? Uh, right. And I kind of want to hopefully... And the episode with more of a feeling we had after the Alcatraz episode. <laughs> uh, even though it ended, you know, even though it's kind of sad and, you know, it still leaves you a little hopeful. You know, that's the goal here. <laughs> uh, so um, we're going to talk about international solidarity and just Evo supporters in Bolivia and what they're doing with this recent state of emergency, you know. Uh and when the coup began, Evo did declare a state of emergency and said all of this shit was going to happen. And look, <laughs> looks what's happening. Um, so, oh, I, there's the quote. Um, After the fascist leaders said, uh, we have returned God to the burned palace and Pachamama will never return to the palace for Bolivia belongs to Christ. Uh, indigenous people started rising up and trying to... You know, confront the white supremacists <laughs> that are currently ruling Bolivia. Um, I mentioned the crowds in Mexico cheering on uh, Evo as he landed, uh, and I think it's really, I, I think it's great to see that kind of solidarity throughout Latin America, uh, even with presidents. You know, they elected like this. These socialists have come to power peacefully. It's a feasible example of a socialist project starting. I don't think it can be sustained through only elective politics. I think you need a transition into a more centralized state with more power for the proletariat. Uh, but you could potentially do it through social democracy, I guess. I don't think so in the first world. But in, th in like Latin America, yeah, sure, why not? They've done it before. But uh if libs can say Donald Trump isn't their president and Guaido or Inez can just claim to be president, then Evo is my president. Okay. And I think Nick Estes is right when he says he's the president for most indigenous people, for all indigenous people. He represents a greater power in the world that represents us having a say on the world stage. Um, and say what you will about reformism, but Evo read out all the war crimes of the United States uh, to the UN. Yeah. That's amazing. Major, major energy there. I love that energy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but as we know, they can be easily taken out by imperialism powers. And that's where I, that's why I have a problem. But the people fight back. And I think when, you know, it's unfortunate. It's kind of accelerationist. But when the fascists take over, there's a more radical revolutionary tradition that forms. And I think you'll see a lot more people 
straight up having guerrilla warfare, urban guerrilla warfare against the fascists right now. And that's what's going on. Um, in Spain, protests are going on for solidarity with Bolivia. And there's signs saying, Morir ante que, 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 <laughs> French, que esclavos, uh, which is dying before becoming slaves. And I think that sentiment is just very real because Bolivians know that Evo has allowed the country to progress in a way that is so good for the working class that falling back into neoliberalism is essentially slavery. You'll have extreme austerity measures instituted. All of a sudden, all the resources are going to be privatized rather than nationalized, and the public's not going to have as much of a supplemental cash that comes from state industry that destroys the... At least, you know, people are being paid for the government to mine up minerals there, you know. that At least it's going to benefit that country directly rather than being shipped off to another first world country's uh for us to enjoy Tesla cars because we need 3,000 freaking lithium-ion batteries in them in order for us to pretend to be green. You know, <laughs> it's ridiculous. Um, Evo said, Brothers and sisters, I am traveling to Mexico and I'm very thankful with uh, the government and people for giving us asylum uh, to protect our lives. It hurts to leave the country for political reasons, but I'll always keep an eye on it. I'll soon return stronger and with more energy. Remember that major energy we were talking about? Uh, he, so he now he isn't even in uh, Mexico anymore. He's gone to Cuba. He's in fucking Cuba, and I, th- <laughs> yeah, he's in Cuba. Nobody did, and then he was just all of a sudden there. And he's uh, message from Cuba, and freaking, I can only imagine what Venezuela, Cuba. And Bolivia have planned. <laughs> uh, but that continuing, uh, we're going to insert some audio uh, about uh, Maduro uh, as he's declared a new step in the Bolivarian Revolution and has said that uh, Venezuela is willing to die fighting for Bolivia. Pueblo, lo van a masacrar como empezaron a dispararle con bala hoy al pueblo de Bolivia, al pueblo del Alto, al pueblo de la Paz. ¿Qué van a hacer con el pueblo? ¿Ah? ¿Creen que ese pueblo se va a rendir, se va a entregar, si ha resistido 500 años? Si ese es el pueblo de Tupac Katari, el Tupac Amaro, que es el pueblo de Evo Morales. ¿Qué van a hacer con los millones que votaron por Evo Morales? Evo Morales ganó las elecciones, ¿qué van a hacer? ¿Ah? ¿Qué van a hacer con el presidente Evo Morales Jaima? No hay más presidentes en Bolivia. 24 horas después, ¿qué van a hacer los militares en Bolivia? ¿Van a dar el golpe de Estado? Definitivo. Que lo piensen, que lo piensen bien. Everyone should be standing in solidarity with Bolivia, and I don't think it's that hard to do that as a leftist, especially when there's leftists standing in solidarity with Hong Kong. You know, <laughs> if you think you're too good for that uh, because they're uh, reformists or whatever, uh, fuck off. Uh, don't be an ultra about this. 
uh, because they're doing socialism better than you are. So uh, <laughs> people who act like that, uh, they're just helping promote the imperialist agenda. Uh, if your take is uh, it's their fault for being reformist, shut up. Okay, we know that. It doesn't matter. We shouldn't be invading people and we shouldn't be doing coups. That's the problem. The problem isn't that they're reformists. The problem is that American interventionalism exists. Okay. And the people realize that. And from now on, it, once socialism is restored to that country, uh, they are going to probably have a stronger state and a stronger proletarian movement, just like Venezuela has, because they resisted their coup. You know, Um <laughs> Inside Bolivia, thousands of people, like I said, are blockading uh, roads. They're shutting down power plants, airports, and the lithium mines in order to disrupt the coup. Uh, like their uh, their money, basically, because they're getting all their money from the state now because they've taken over the state. Uh, both the La Paz, uh, La I kept saying La Paz. It's La Paz. <sighs> And El Alto are described as being besieged uh, by a lot of news outlets. And until about, uh, well, I guess uh, a month and two weeks ago, uh, the military wasn't able to break the siege. Uh, and now the media, our media, aims to shift the conversation because the narrative has clearly shown to be a lie. You know, there was a coup in Bolivia. So now they're trying to retcon what they said, and they're admitting it's a coup. And so we're going to go over this Hill article sort of like in a citations needed media criticism way. And we're going to read how shitty this take is. Um, but before we go on, let me just say a little extra stuff. The fascist government, now that Evo is safely in Cuba, uh, has now established ties with Israel again. And we can expect to see the same companies helping ICE. Uh, which are Israeli tech companies are going to help the same, the military junta in Bolivia uh, suppress opposition. And like I said, we'll probably see concentration camps of some sort. Uh, and I wouldn't doubt that Guaido and Bolsonaro are going to try to rage a war. Like if it comes down to war, if war is going to start, it's going to probably be Mexico. Uh, like I'm going to let's play, let's play dodgeball real quick. It's going to be Mexico, Venezuela, Cuba, Bolivia, uh, maybe some others, who knows? But uh, then you're going to have Brazil, probably America, because uh, we're assholes and we need a new war that's uh, not as much of a lie as Afghanistan. You know? <laughs> uh, and then um, we're going to need, let's see, who else would they have? Chile. Uh, well, the Chilean government's going to say they support it, but they're kind of having their own little civil war going on, uh, which we should probably cover. A lot of stuff going on in the world, as you can tell with this list. Um, Colombia, uh, but that's also going to be an interesting situation considering that the guerrillas in Colombia just declared war on the government again after a historic priest treaty was reached for the first time in like 40 years. Like, oh, cool. Well, that was like five years ago now. And so now the war is back on. So uh, <laughs> five years of peace. That's pretty good. Um, but anyway, yeah, expect to see a sort of uh, Western Hemisphere war go on. World war. It's a world war. But I wouldn't doubt it. And it's going to be over these Latin American countries, lithium deposits, because lithiums become a new oil, you know. 
it's really it's the same reason why we're demonizing China a lot more now, and it's because they have all the other rare metals that Latin America doesn't have or that Africa doesn't have. And I mean, Africa seems to be under neoliberal control, but it seems to be falling very quickly. You know, unfortunately, Libya. <laughs> but uh, unfortunately, Libya fell, and I think that was a huge detriment to uh, Africa's pan-Africanism movement. But uh, I think we'll see a huge change in coming years because as the first world can't elect a social democrat, Latin America seems to be going into full-on revolution. So, fingers crossed. <laughs> watching embattled Nicolas Maduro remain in power in Venezuela. Many international observers did not expect Morales to resign as president. Uh, but after massive electoral fraud, uh, his credibility in the country evaporated. To save whatever legitimacy he had, he sought asylum in Mexico, where he apparently has begun a political propaganda campaign to confuse the international community. Uh, I just... <laughs> already. Uh, already bad. <laughs> Already, man. Oh, which is every bone in my body. It's it's working. False narratives are weaving their way. It's just so galaxy brain. It's so good. <laughs> just it's working. Oh my god! Just shut up. <laughs> some U.S. politicians, but for those who play pay attention, it's important to set the record straight. Here are the top five false narratives. Uh, number one: There was a coup d'état against Morales in Bolivia. The coup narrative has nearly no traction in Bolivia. Source, please. However, the repeated claims of a coup have gained credibility with certain Dem 2020 presidential candidates. Uh, the facts simply don't add up. Morales did not resign because his military suggested he do so. He resigned because he lost all legitimacy. <laughs> 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 
His detractors are segments of his political base, miners, indigenous groups, and the workers' union. Hardly a confab of right-wing coup plotters. Okay. Okay, so, just, just to uh, debunk this debunction. <laughs> <laughs> um, saying that he did not resign because the military suggested he do so. He resigned because of this other reason. It's literally admitting he resigned because the military suggested he do so, but then saying it's a whole other reasoning and blaming him for the military ousting him. And then saying that uh, his political base had a bunch of uh, detractors. No, it didn't. He had more turnout. And the reason it's declared flagrantly electorally fraudulent is because he had so many more supporters than last time. Mm-hmm. That's not fraud, flagrantly, flagrantly fraudulent. That is just him being great at raising pover- impoverished people out of poverty. Uh, that's what's happening. God. Okay, continue. This is <laughs> aggravating. I declare fraud based on somebody getting way too many votes. Can I, like, sue my uh, freaking employer for fraud? <laughs> like, <laughs> Listen, he owes me money. Because he did this. He didn't do it, but he did this. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, number two. The Bolivian military was a critical factor in Evo Morales resigning. It, I mean, those who believe in the coup narrative often point to November 10th. Uh, Chief of Bolivia's Armed Forces General Williams Calamans suggested on national... Quote, it's in air quotes. He air quoted himself. Why? Who wrote this? Who wrote this? <laughs> Who? Want to talk. Joseph M. Humeyer. Oh, Okay. Kalaman, who often referred to the military as an anti-colonial force, was just a Johnny-come-lately after 21 days of sustained protests uh, led by civic leaders who delivered a resignation letter to the palace in La Paz. In fact, Kalaman, who is known in military circles as an ardent Morales loyalist, was immediately relieved from duty after the new president. Uh, More recently, the rest of the military high command was also replaced. Okay, okay. Oh, sorry, go on. No, it's okay. I was I just finished indicating that the Bolivian military was a critical factor. Okay, okay. So, so actually, Calamin got a million freaking dollars in living in the United States. Yes, I. Yeah. Yeah, he sold out his country. That's what he did. That's what he did. He became a millionaire in a foreign country. That's why he well millions of dollars. Actually, it's not even one million. It's multiple millions. But he freaking sold out Bolivia. That is why he was relieved from duty. He he willingly wanted to step down. Oh my god. Oh. Just, just, just so crazy that people don't see that. Number three, interim president Janine and Janine Añez is self-appointed. She sure is. Yeah. After Morales resigned, a relatively unknown Bolivian senator became uh, became the president, leading some to speculate that she woke up one day and decided it was her turn to be president. She kind of did. Unfortunately for the naysayers, that's not how the Constitution works. Uh, in addition to Morales, the vice president and the heads of the Senate and lower chamber all resigned in a blatant attempt by Morales' political party, uh, MAS, to leave Bolivians confused and ungoverned. And yes, uh, as the second vice president was next in line, they decided not to run away from Bolivia's crisis to face the challenge head on. The MAS made one last attempt to stall the transition, 
by not holding quorum in the Congress. However, the country's constitutional tribunal legitimized her presidency, stating, given that the inheritance of power occurs as a result of a request for resignation. Dot, dot, dot. No, no, no. Include the dot, dot, dot. They skip something. No legislative active decision of Congress is required. Okay. So, first off, (laughs) we already mentioned this, but uh, they arrested everybody else in line or they fled the country with uh, Evo because they were going to get killed. The military forced them to step down too. Uh, (laughs) Saying they wanted to leave them confused and governed is a total lie because MAS issued a statement saying that we didn't resign. We're hiding because there's a military coup going on and they're dragging people into the streets. (laughs) Remember that audio we played of an MAS uh, member? Um, being paint poured on her head and being tied up and crap. Yeah. Okay. So let's continue. Right. Oh boy. <laughs> we'll get through this together. Number four, the new interim government is causing the conflict on the streets of Bolivia. Ironically, the same people who say that the Bolivian military forced Morales to resign because they did not want to clash with the people are now saying that under the president Añez, the military is clashing with the people. It doesn't help matters that Morales is screaming from the sidelines that she is a dictator ru- ruling Bolivia with an iron fist uh, all, for all of two weeks. Unfortunately for Morales, he should have stayed off his cell phone. Last week, Morales was caught in a recording of a private call telling his local supporters in Bolivia to block roads and food to starve the people into submission. Subsequently, Morales has been charged with terrorism and sedition by Bolivian government officials. Morales continues to refute the charge and maintain the recording as a montage set up by tweeting a video of this brutality only to find that the video was false and was from 20 um yeah okay so where to begin with this one <laughs> uh we showed you all the video well we we played all the audio for you uh so that's obviously a lie him pointing to this cot in an audio slash video recording of a private call i'm gonna click this link live right now Info Bay. What is this? A Bolivian minister revealed an audio in which Evo Morales organizes the blockades to La Plaza. Yeah, okay, so what's happening is anybody who's joining the protests gets fed. Anybody who's staying a class trader isn't getting fed. Fuck them. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so... Yeah, because the only cities really being blockaded, like I said, were uh, San Cruz and then uh, El, uh, no, El Alto and La Plaza. And I don't know about Santa Cruz, actually. But uh, where, where, uh, what else? What else? I don't know about this tweeting a video thing, but, uh, you know. Let's click on this, too. It's CNN from Latin America. Okay, then. That's all in Spanish with no subtitles. <laughs> I can't tell you about it. But I'm going to take a crack at it. Say CNN's fake news. <laughs> yeah, I mean. But I bet you you probably retweeted something uh, that somebody said was Bolivia, and he didn't know that it was not Bolivia just because he saw all these other videos from Bolivia. Because there's a million freaking videos that we played the audio from already. Um, Mm -hmm. Lastly. Yes. Number five. The U.S. is after Bolivia's lithium. 
white gold. Maduro has said the U.S. is after Venezuelan oil, despite the fact that America is now the largest oil producer. Huh, I wonder why. I wonder why. <laughs> Taking a page from the same playbook, Morales now says the U.S. is after Bolivia's lithium. Interestingly, the Morales government's decade-old lithium policy has already sold much of the Chinese firms in a German company, which gener generated discontent among Bolivia's mining community. While it's true that Bolivia may have the largest lithium reserves in the world, its neighbors, Chile and Argentina, both U.S. allies, also contain an mineral that's a dangerous resource. Many have rushed to judgment in Bolivia, believing any false narrative that is formed on social media. But because Bolivia is in turmoil, it's important for international community to separate facts from fiction and dispel narratives that harm the... Okay. Uh, many have rushed to judgment in Bolivia, believing any false narrative that is formed. But because Bolivia is in turmoil, it's important for the international community to separate through fiction spell false narratives that back to the harm the bolivians long road back to democracy okay yeah you cut out like that last sentence again that's weird um but yeah no okay so this article's trash uh, <laughs> because the u.s uh has uh started to um well they have all the oil money from venezuela like they stole it they literally stole it uh mm -hmm. The, they're also the largest oil producer because they steal oil from everybody else. <laughs> like, goddamn. Uh, yeah, like it's not that hard, guys. Uh, so Argentina and Chile do not have as much lithium as Bolivia. Bolivia has the largest reserves, and then China has the next one. Uh, as far as selling it off to Chinese firms and German company, no, they're letting the German company develop it for a portion of the profits while the rest gets nationalized. So, uh, and that was, as far I think that was the old policy, and that's their new, the newer policy is the nationalization aspect, where people are getting a cuts of the lithium profit. Okay, uh, but let's be real, you know, it's not very good for the environment. No mining is. Uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, Chile is also going through massive turmoil right now, uh, so it makes sense that the U.S. would be looking towards other places. And Mexico is, uh, who was it? CNN had an article recently where they suggested that uh, the new president of Mexico is too authoritarian. <laughs> yeah. So I am very confident in my statement that we will see a coup in Mexico. Um. That all being said, that was our episode on Bolivia. Uh. <laughs> we did it. We did it. Finally. 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 Uh, P was here. Uh, they're sick, so like, uh, hasn't been talking much and on their phone. So, uh, anything you'd like to say, P? Um. Yeah. Glad I'm still part of the project, even though I haven't been in any episode very recently. It's okay. I haven't been in <laughs> any episode recently either. <laughs> it's because <laughs> I haven't released them. <laughs> so, uh, Hunts, how, how would you say your first time on Bands was? It was good. Um, it's. It's cool to like actually like talk with you guys after like listening to the podcast for a while. I'm glad. I'm glad it's not like awkward or anything. <laughs> <laughs> I was very nervous because I've never recorded anything, and I just have really. So really you, good. you have really. 
God, you keep cutting out for some reason now. What the heck's going on? <laughs> um. Anyway, uh, <laughs> what was I gonna say? God damn it! What What did you say? You You have very. Um, I have social anxiety. Oh, okay. I get that. We. I think. Yeah. I feel like everybody here does. I don't know. P. Do you? Have, yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's, I don't know. I think the internet and just. It, Indigenous. I never have problems talking with indigenous people. I feel safer. I'm less anxious. You don't have to like police yourself as much. Yeah, exactly. Like, I love I love this project and doing it. Uh, it's really fun, and I, I really look forward to having Hunsan as for more episodes for P to be more involved in the project again. I'm so, um, fingers crossed that once I move into a new place. I um, before we go, we want to tell you, uh, well, I want to tell you about a new project I'm starting next year, uh, for the ancient alien stuff. Like that's the channel it's going to go on. It's going to be all access. Everybody's allowed to listen to every episode. Uh, it's called Prol Kino, Prol's Kino. God damn it. It's my own project. I don't know what it is, but anyway, we're doing movies. We're doing movies and shows and it's going to be good. Uh, our next episode on here should be a history episode on uh, the Trail of Broken Treaties, I want to say. No, maybe leading up to the Trail of Broken Treaties. Uh, but it's going to be another AIM episode. It's going to be good. Um, It'll be something. And we'd like to give say a special thanks to all of our patrons, uh, all of the North, Anon, Belshakor, Bleak Nemesis, D. Lang, Gina Comstock, Josh Edwards, Kelbinor, Kiki Cook, Lake Phillips, Leono, Michael McNiven, Noah, Rocco, and William Scott. Thank you all. You make it a lot easier to do this. I don't have to work as many hours at work because like, I don't have to pay as much out of pocket for all my books anymore. <laughs> and now I'm just starting to dedicate more time. But yeah, so uh, now uh, we're, we're trying to get, who is it? Somebody on here, new mic. I don't remember. I think it was Andre. Anyway, we're trying to get some new mics for people. So that's going to be a thing. And then we're going to be doing a couple, some more round tables and stuff. So a lot of plans coming up for the new year. And uh, I guess this is our December. Well, no, no, it's not. Okay. December's coming. So look out for our next episode for that. All right. Anyway, anyone want to say the goodbye? Bye. <laughs> okay. Toksha. <laughs> de Nicolás Guillén, soldadito boliviano. <clears throat> soldadito de Bolivia, soldadito boliviano. Armado vas de tu rifle que es un rifle americano Que es un rifle americano soldadito de Bolivia Que es un rifle americano Te lo dio el señor barriendo soldadito boliviano Regalo de Mr. Johnson para matar a tu hermano para matar a tu hermano, soldadito de Bolivia, para matar a tu hermano. 
No sabes quién es el muerto, soldadito boliviano. El muerto es el Che Guevara y el argentino y cubano. El argentino y cubano, soldadito de Bolivia. Y el argentino y cubano. Él fue tu mejor amigo, soldadito boliviano. Él fue tu amigo da pobre del oriental altiplano. Del oriental altiplano, soldadito de Bolivia. Del oriental altiplano. Esta mi guitarra entera, soldadito boliviano. De luto pero no llora, aunque lloraré su mano, aunque lloraré su mano, soldadito de Bolivia, aunque lloraré su mano. No llora porque la hora, soldadito boliviano, no es de lágrima y pañuelo, sino de machete en mano, sino de machete en mano, soldadito de Bolivia, sino de machete en mano. Con el cobre que te paga, soldadito boliviano, que te vendes, que te compra, es lo que piensa el tirano, es lo que piensa el tirano, soldadito de Bolivia, es lo que piensa el tirano. Pero aprenderás seguro, soldadito boliviano, que a un hermano no se mata, que no se mata a un hermano, que no se mata a un hermano, soldadito de Bolivia, que no se mata a un hermano, que no se mata a un hermano.